Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmé Amber. Thanks for joining us and staying with us. If you'd like to call in for a reading, give us a call at 1-800-336-2225. We just talked about what could be really good about guilt and fear in the big, um, big plan, the big picture. So let's also talk about what's the problem with extreme excessive love because some people say that's all there is is just love if you do that everything's fine or extreme constant fast and easy highs what's wrong with that isn't that just fine or what's what's the problem with that extreme excessive love spoils you ever get a kid that you just sort of go i love you and you do everything for him or her and love 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 well the child begins to feel like he or she is entitled and should have everyone doing whatever they would like them to do. So extreme and excessive love is off balance. To wholesomely love and not have that as a need that you need to do or need to feel good about yourself because you are just spilling over with all kinds of love, ooey gooey sometimes, you know, just a wholesome love that you're you're a loving person, you have goodwill, and you go on about your life and you do good things as you're moved to do. You another really valuable time and about valuable thing, and it's it's a good time this time of year to mention it. Is ask for help to find uh, find yourself on on get yourself on track, and follow that help because if you ask sincerely, you'll start being nudged. If you want to find your, your higher destiny, your purpose, that's what you do. Extreme, fast, and easy, constant highs. It'll spoil you a lot of times. It separates you from yourself. You become dependent on them oftentimes. Uh, it's like on the substance to fix you or just, you know, whatever it is. could be watching football games. That's where you get your highs. You know, if you rely on that too much, you get dependent on it, and it cuts out a piece of you living and pioneering and discovering and developing your own life. So a certain amount of this as relief and entertainment is wonderful. It balances. It's fulfilling. You do too much, and it cuts out another piece of your life that is supposed to be in that place. So extreme fast highs and constant highs and easy highs, you know, you do that and you're looking for, you know, that tries to give you entertainment or relief or help you escape instead of you finding that in the course of living your life and doing things. So you, once again, you're codependent or addicted to these things and it's not good. So, you know, we totally endorse and support a natural, wholesome high where you don't go ecstatically high and then then the next day or two you're on a downer because you're just stressed out from how much that took out of you. A natural, wholesome high, natural, wholesome love, where you're just not ecstatically having to help people and give to people and gush over to people. and You know, you can just sort of be a natural, centered person. It's very comfortable being around you without you having to buy it by being a giveaway, a smile away, or whatever. Smiles are wonderful, but when you are imprisoned, compulsively having to do that, then you don't own your own natural space, and you're not doing what your natural, higher-developed self would naturally just do. Are we in the natural? 
<laughs> We're into supernatural. <laughs> I guess we really are, aren't we? If you're natural enough, you go, you shift gears into supernatural. That's right. That's absolutely true. Speaking of natural and supernatural, I would like to share with you a wonderful near-death experience story. Uh, we ran across a really good one. We don't share many of these because most of them are so focused on the individual's lessons that they really aren't that applicable to the greater good of all. But this one is very cool because it's a group near-death experience, which is extremely unusual, I understand. If you'd like to call in for a psychic greeting, we're at 1-800-336-2225. And thank you for listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. We are your spiritual lifestyle experts, and we offer a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. You know, back in 1989, <clears throat> there was a group of hotshot firefighting, elite firefighting group. These were the kind of guys that went into the worst of the worst of the worst areas to tackle down flames, at, you know, as a group. You know, these <clears throat> these are not the guys that are on the outer edges of the fire. They're the guys that are, you know, getting dropped down into the middle of the fire to try to, you know, do back. How fun. <laughs> you know, what a rough thing that would be, you know, drop in there and you're hoping the wind's not going to shift on you. Well, speaking of that, that's exactly what happened to this group. Oh, I remember this group. This is absolutely miraculous. It is. This is a totally amazing story. Were these Mormons? I have no idea. I don't think that was ever made a point of. Because Mormons get a lot of these things, you know, they seem to have an inside track sometimes. Interesting. Lots of people do, actually. That's right. Well, during this wilderness fire in 1989, Jake and his crew of 20 hotshot uh, elite firefighting uh, were dropped. Um, a helicopter, helicopter dropped Jake and his crew boss and the two 20-person hotshot crews onto a fire at the top of a steep mountain. The fire was burning below the crews in thick ponderosa pine and oak brush. You know, if you've ever been by a, a wildfire, it is hot. Oh, well, and, yeah, you'll enjoy this then. Them being at the top, yeah, you know, the heat it was, rises. It was totally hot. Jeez. The slope of the hill the men and women were working on was about 40 degrees. They worked their way down the steep slope when, partway down, to their horror, the wind changed to an upward direction. Oh. The trees in front of the men and woman traveling down the hill erupted into flames with explosive force. You know, normally they have these fire-resistant packs that they can use to cover themselves, but they didn't have time to do that here. You have to have certain conditions in order for that to work, like you have to have just the plain ground where you can cover yourself with it and nothing that's already been flammable or is flammable underneath. That's mm -hmm. the only way they work for whatever reason. So the panic-stricken crews started to try and go back up the trench trail they had built. Trees exploded and fire engulfed the immediate area and oxygen feeding the conflagration was sucked from, the, uh, from near the ground where the people struggled to breathe. One by one, the men and women fell to the earth, suffocating from lack of oxygen. They were reduced to crawling on their hands and knees while they attempted to get back up the hill to a safer area. You know what's going through their mind about then. Oh, well. <laughs> been nice. <laughs> 
let's just get out of the way. <laughs> well, there's no getting out of the yeah. way. You know, it's over. Suddenly, Jake had a thought. That is, I'm going to die. And with that thought in mind, he found himself looking down on his body, which was lying in a trench. The noise, heat, and confusion from the inferno surrounded them, was, surrounding them was gone. And Jake felt completely at peace. Of course, people say this often when they have a near-death experience, the peace that fills them. As he looked around, Jake saw other firefighters standing above their bodies in the air. One of Jake's crew members had a defective foot, which he had been born with. As he came out of his body, Jake looked at him and said, Look, Jose, your foot is straight. A bright light then appeared. Jake described the bright light in this manner. The light, the fantastic light. It was brighter than the sun, shining on a field of snow. Yet I could look at it, and it didn't hurt my eyes. And it probably didn't burn them either. Nope. Isn't that something? Yep. So brighter than the sun, and um, and, and doesn't doesn't burn them. And didn't hurt the eyes. You folks are listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, offering a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. Don't forget to catch us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturdays, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. If you'd like to call in for a reading, give us a call, 1-800-336-2225. We're reading right now a group near-death experience which is very, very unusual. Standing in the light was Jake's deceased great-grandfather. His great-grandfather acted as Jake's guide throughout his near-death experience. Jake met with others of his ancestors and had an extensive experience, which they don't talk about here because this is focused on the group experience that mm-hmm, they had. Mm-hmm. His great-grandfather ultimately communicated by thought to Jake that it was Jake's choice whether or not he should return to Earth. Now, remember before we've talked about how on that plane it's all thought transference. And remember that we've talked before about how that same thought transference is what's coming to Earth and we're heading, you know, we're heading into that where all of your thoughts are just naturally exposed and no big deal. <coughs> Not wanting to come back from the beautiful and peaceful place that he was in, Jake argued with his great-grandfather, explaining that it would be devastating to return to a horribly burned body. Jack pled, Jake pled with his great-grandfather to remain. Jake said that all of his communication with, was by questions that he would think of and have instantly answered in his mind. Jake was informed that neither he nor any of his crew who chose to return would suffer ill effects from the fire. This would be done so, and are you listening to this? Mm -hmm. This would be done so that God's power over the elements would be made manifest. You know, this happened in 1989. This is pure miracle stuff, nothing but. And this stuff, you know, this isn't like there's only miracles in the Bible. There's miracles all over the world all the time if we slow down, pay attention, and listen. You know, there's 
people that have fallen out of planes or jumped out and their parachutes haven't opened, <clears throat> they go like 10,000 feet and they land and they don't die. <laughs> like, and, how'd that happen? And one of the things that gives me courage to know that it's always possible, anything's always possible, it's never impossible the situation you're in, is uh, in, I think, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament of the Bible, where Nebuchadnezzar is punishing uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo, uh, and they, they have this huge furnace. I think they cook their bread in it. And so they had the heat of the bread, and they stoked it up seven times that heat and pushed these guys in. And uh, Oh, yeah, I remember that. There was a, somebody else in there with them, which is said to be an angel. And they came out. There wasn't a smell of burnt on them. They didn't smell their hair or skin. They looked just fine. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar negotiated. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me reconsider my position so, here. So, you know, that's impossible on this plane of thinking, but it's real, like what happened here, if you have enough right. spiritual connection. Always remember that, and uh, you know, as for me, I strive for that. I have seen many, many, many things with my own eyes where the ethereal guides have come into the physical plane and uh, helped broken bones and other things heal miraculously. In Quickly, minutes. huh? Yep. I've seen and experienced personally many. I know that this stuff is utterly possible. And what's between you and it happening is your belief and uh, your karma and your connection to spirit. You know, sometimes as a spiritual helper or healer, I've done this, I've seen other people do it, where somebody's cancer will all of a sudden come on me and go off them. And because it's really not mine and I'm not over trying to rescue or save them, but it's an appropriate gift to them and, okay, we're going to take this off now. Don't do this again, whatever the thing was, and get your get your act together and go forward. Have a good life. So they get it taken off them. You get the cancer on you. Sometimes you can see the growth, you know, and, and some part of you is just stuck and starting to die kind of thing. And then it lifts off you because it's not your problem and you're not inappropriately reaching in and rescuing somebody. And then it, it clears. So back to this story. Returning to his body was one of the most painful events of his life. When I asked Jake why it was painful, he said, When I was there, everything was so perfect. And my spirit body, it was, it was so free. It felt like everything was limitless. When I came back, well, you know, there's always something plaguing you. Like arthritis or sore muscles or, but not there. Getting back into my physical body felt cramped and held back. For example, when I used to play football for a few days after a game or a hard practice, I was always sore. The same was true after coming back into my physical body. I hurt and felt contained, and it was hard to get used to it for some time. Finding himself again in his body, Jake looked around and noticed that some of the metal tools he had used to fight the fire had melted. Ugh. You know, they were right by his body. Jeez. Despite this intense heat and the fire still raging around him, he was able to walk up the hill in some sort of protected bubble. 
He did not hear nor feel the turbulence around him. <laughs> Surreal. Upon reaching the relative safety of the hilltop, the noise of the fire was again evident, and he saw other members of the crew also gathered there. You know, that's how it feels to be inside of an angel's grace. Yes. Right like that. The entire happening was so profound that upon escaping from what they had supposed would be sure death, the groups of saved people knelt in prayer to thank the Lord for their deliverance. All of the crew escaped, and the only visual evidence on them of what they had been through was a few singed hairs. Jake said that in comparing reports of their different episodes, the men and women were astonished that they had each undergone some type of near-death experience. Throughout the summer, as the crew worked together, they continued to discuss the miraculous adventure which they had lived through. Others of the crew confirmed, for example, that they also felt the ill effects of returning to their physical bodies. They, too, had met with other members of their deceased families and were given the choice of remaining there or returning to earth. Amazing story. And it's true. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, offering a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we have a second hour coming up, so you can be sure to catch us the second hour. We've always got more to say, don't we? We, <laughs> we do have goodies, don't we? Okay, stay with us, you guys. We will be right back. <laughs> 